Welcome to Arts North. I'm your host, Michael Cast. Arts North, everything art. I'd like to take a moment to thank my sponsors, the Community Arts Council of Prince Georgian District, otherwise known as Studio 2880, and Linda Rempel from Sun Life Insurance. Now, the guests that I have today, probably I haven't seen very much of, but hopefully I'll see quite a bit more because of my uh, new position, casual position, I should say, at uh, as theater tech at Vanier Hall. And you'll find um, Michael Hall conducting the Pinch George Symphony Orchestra uh, a lot of the times at Vanier Hall. Am I, am, am I, welcome, Michael. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So you do you do a lot at Vanier Hall, eh? Yeah, we do most of our concerts at Vanier Hall. Um, our kinder concerts, which is another aspect of, of the Prince George Symphony Orchestra that's really exciting, those shows are in uh, the Playhouse. Yeah. And, you know, we actually have some musicians that go into the schools as well. Oh, excellent! And, which is really exciting too, mm-hmm. because they'll they'll you know they'll show the the kids uh, you know get an introduction to the instruments and what they sound like and uh, play a few things. So, but yeah, our main concerts, our main stage concerts, as we call them, are are in Vanier. I know when I took band <clears throat> when I was in I went to school down in the states uh, for a good number of years, and and it was this this there was this. Imp- it was sexist, actually. Mm, <laughs> you know, uh, the girls went to the woodwinds. Oh, really? And, and yeah. the boys went to the brass. To the brass oh, I yeah. desperately wanted to play clarinet, uh-huh. but then I ended up with trombone. Oh, okay. I never went very far with the trombone. Um, and uh, and I'm glad that they're bringing instruments in and say, and hopefully not, yeah. you know, they're sort of smashing that that for you know, sure that yeah that stereotype, stereotype. Yeah. yeah 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 uh that yeah. anybody can play any instrument for they sure. want yeah right? absolutely yeah, yeah. It, you know it, it uh, though i will say which is sort of interesting when you work with symphony orchestras um certain uh people that play different instruments you know i mean it's, it's kind of a stereotype but they do have a certain uh demeanor i mean brass players by and large, are a certain way as as a mm-hmm. as a person, as a musician, mm-hmm. and woodwind players and string players. So there is, it's funny mm-hmm. to think about. There is sort of a, you know, again, it's it's risky to do a big stereotype, but not everybody's yeah. this way. But you know, brass players are a certain way. Musical and, personalities, and, yeah, yeah, and even yeah. Uh, even non musical personalities. Oh, you know, really? uh, okay, uh, just the nature of the instrument. I mean, think of a trumpet player or a horn player. I mean, there's just a just a way of 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 uh, uh, you know the way they. Uh, they uh, they are. It's just it's sometimes very very different than other instruments. You See, know? for me, I I, I ch- I'm trying to th- well while we're talking mm-hmm. there, I'm trying to picture f- for me. So I would say trumpet because I I love jazz. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think do I do I now I'm going to have to take some time and really try and recognize <laughs> these personalities in these different instruments. Yeah. Like you can hear the personality within the instrument, but I right. never thought of the personality behind. Yeah, the yeah, wow. and, and I okay. and I think I think the thing is certain people by their nature, their demeanor, and everything else are drawn to certain instruments. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do think that's true. Wow. Um, so that's food for thought. Yeah, it's interesting. So. You've been. I was. I had to do. I had to do my homework, right? Normally, I. I. I don't. But I was. <laughs> I thought. You know. There's. There was. A, there's a few guests that I've had. One was. Um, 
uh, Lauren Brotman, who I who I had to do a little backgrounder on, and was amazed, and and I'm even just as amazed with with your with your history here. The, the, there's the Houston Symphony, Toronto Symphony, Vancouver, Louisiana Philharmonic, something I can't pronounce from Costa Rica, from Costa Rica, uh-huh. and Windsor, and the Manitoba Chamber yeah. Orchestra, and and Northeastern Pennsylvania yeah, Harmonic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and so first of all, how did you get started in, in like, like what brings up what, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is how did, how did classical music capture you? Yeah, for sure. And it did at an early age. Mm -hmm. Um, my first recollections of classical music was listening with my dad in the living room of our house, listening to records, mm-hmm. and my dad is not a doesn't play an instrument. Neither does my mom, but he really enjoyed classical music, and he had his certain favorite recordings he loved. You know, I, I remember them distinctly, like uh, Otto Klemperer's old version of Beethoven Five, for example. Mm-hmm. I still can picture the record, eighteen twelve overture, and so my dad would listen to these records with me, mm. and you know, I must have been, I don't know, six or seven. And I don't know even if I was playing the piano at that time uh, because I learned piano fairly early as well. I, I, I might have been. But anyway, I listened to these records and I don't know. It just captivated me. It just it, There's something about the, the beauty and the power of it and uh, just everything about it. You know, the communication aspect, the, what I felt when I listened to this music. And mm-hmm. that's really my first recollections of, of this fantastic music. And from there, I didn't think at that time, well, I'm going to be a musician, but yeah. boy, it sure made an impression on me. And, you know, and that, that's a big deal because then as you move on in your life and you decide what you want to do and things just sort of happen, you always have this in your head, that this, this feeling you have listening to this great music. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. how it started, just listening. And I'm sure because it was my dad and because, you know, I really you know, loved and respected him and I saw him sitting there really enjoying it and listening so intently that I would do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I'd listen. Yeah. But you know what? It, 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 it could have been the case that I listened and went, ugh, you know, whatever, I can't wait to get out of here. But I, I, it started there, and, you know, from that point to, to now, you just, I began to discover more classical pieces, and, and you know, just took off from there. I know my great-grandmother's, um, she would always watch the Lawrence Welk show. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and although I, as a, as a young, you know, very young kid i i thought it was the most boring thing ever except for that cat that played the saxophone or the uh the clarinet and i thought See? you know that yeah. planted the seed yeah exactly that brought me to the, my musical tastes yeah. later on and there was something about that even i didn't even know what it was right. back then. exactly yeah. you don't even know what it is back then but no. you, but you just you know in in retrospect it's almost clearer like you realize oh that was the time that, where that i really it really made an impact right. on me so yeah, it was, um, you know, it was really, and then, of course, going to see live concerts, I was young, and, and, and you're right, it's funny, because you talk about Lawrence Welk's show, my my mom, we used to go to pop shows, and I grew up in Toronto. Oh, did you? So we'd yeah. go to the Toronto yeah. Symphony, and we'd see pop shows, uh, and classical shows, too, but I remember my mom really enjoyed that, and we'd go to the concert, then we'd go to a restaurant afterwards, and... You know, I mean, not everything I, I felt at the time I wasn't glued to, but I certainly just loved the whole experience of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if the experience is something that you 
enjoy, then that's going to pay dividends in the future. You know, I, I think about this when on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. Now, as a conductor and as a music director, you think about how can you bring this great music to people. You know, what's the best way for people who don't know how great this music is to discover it? And so, for me, it was just the whole atmosphere was so conducive to, to me enjoying it. So, Roy Thompson Hall? Sure Massey was. Massey Hall? No, it was Roy Thompson Hall. Right. It was Roy after Thompson Massey Hall. Hall. Yeah, yeah, it was, I'm talking now, uh, would have been, let me think, you know, mid-80s, early yeah. 80s yeah. when I'd be yeah. going there, you know. Yeah. And um, i never been into Massey Hall, as a matter of oh, No, I, I lie. In fact... In fact, it's funny, I think at the time I conducted, very happy and lucky to conduct the, the Toronto Symphony Orchestra in a modern music concert oh. with Gary Kalesha. I don't know if that name rings a bell. No, he's, no. He, he, he's still a you know, composer with the Toronto Symphony. And it was a piece that we did where there was two conductors, one of mm-hmm. these very interesting modern pieces where Gary was on the podium, I was standing kind of in the middle of the orchestra conducting, and we mm-hmm. had to we looked at each other, and it was, you know, I don't remember exactly how it went, but all this sort of coordination things. But we actually did a concert in, Roy- in uh, Massey Hall. So my only time there was actually on the stage, which was yeah. quite quite thrilling. Um, I don't is is has classical music been relegated to the conservatory? Uh, well, uh, somebody mentioned that to me yeah. about jazz, and I thought, you know, well, I don't know. What you mean, meaning meaning like like, um, like there's not much there's not yeah. much more new. Like you can't really come up with anything new. Which I don't think is true. No, I don't think that's true at all. And I think it's, I, but it, but it's funny to think about because look at any type of music. I mean, even popular music. I yeah. mean, boy, everything's been done, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many chords? You know, listen. Think of it another way. There's there's twelve notes in the you know chromatic Western scale, and that's all there is. Mm-hmm. And look what's come out of it. I mean, yeah. it's really funny when you think about it that way. So no, I don't think it's all done at all. And and again, to pop music, I mean, there's a, there's a there's a um, greatly reduced, um, uh, you know, um, palette that you can work from when it comes to pop music. And yet, you know, we still hear wonderful pieces to this day. So, no, I don't think so. But, um, you know, there certainly are stigmas with classical music. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, it's, uh, I don't understand it. Uh, It's boring. Uh, you know, I, I talk about this a lot when I talk to people about why don't they come to concerts? Well, it's very expensive. You know, it's for old people. Um, you get all these, you know, and so I, I'm, I'm just so adamant to think about ways and, and try to break down those barriers because for me, this music I mean, yes, I, 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 I've been educated in classical music, so I can maybe understand it uh, in a way more than other people that haven't been uh, trained in it. But it's not that. It's a matter of the visceral connection that you can't even explain mm-hmm. that happens to you. I mean, who, who, who you know, if you're not a, a pop singer or you don't know anything about, uh, you know, uh, rock music, it doesn't matter. You listen to a piece and you, there's something about it. Something, a, a yeah. certain piece of music that just grabs you. Is it the rhythm? Is it the emotion? Is it the, is it the singer and how they're producing it? Is it the lyrics? I mean, there's something always that's going to going to hit you. So classical music is not that much different than that. And, and there's just this feeling of, well, it's so long and I don't know what to make of it i i always tell people if you just give it a try come and sit and come to a great concert where you can see these great professional musicians on the stage you know this this visceral atmosphere and just listen because there's something it's there is a reason why the music has lasted 
for oh, hundreds definitely. of years. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a reason. If it didn't do anything to any for anybody, then it wouldn't. But it but it it constantly is speaking to us uh, today. During know? those times in the gold rush, I mean, I was looking back at you know there was 50th anniversary, 75th anniversary, and <laughs> and, I thought, <laughs> and I'm like 75th. Oh, that's really actually not that long ago. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, but you, it's <laughs> true. I'm like crap. It's true. I'm getting older. Yeah. Um, some some of the very first things that during the gold rush, these little towns and these little cities that were popping up all over yeah. was an opera house yeah, and, a, and, a, and a music hall, and symphony music hall, music hall yeah. right? Isn't not just any, not right. just a dance hall music hall, but a right. symphony music yeah. hall. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, exactly. and it's, um, and it's interesting, to, like you said, it's not it's not going to go anywhere no, anytime soon. No, no. I mean, I, this great quote I like to say is that uh, the demise of classical music is its oldest tradition. You know, something like that, <laughs> and, and it's certainly true because oh, we, er, you know, every few years or whatever, you hear, well, it's dead. That's it for classical. No one's going. No. All the gray hairs are going. Nobody's renewing. No. The, the worry is that all the older people who come to concerts are going to die, and no one's going to replace them. But I tell you, uh, I don't believe that. And yes, of course, you can't put your head in the sand and think, well, if you play it, they'll come. I mean, you have to work at it. You have mm-hmm. to work at, at at telling the story of why this music is so great. Uh, but I don't have any worry that it's going to go anywhere. I was looking at, at some... One of the things that I really liked was the Glow in the Dark concert. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I didn't mm-hmm. experience it, of course, but mm-hmm. I was reading about it, and I thought, that is brilliant. Yeah, yeah we had a fun time How can that. we? It's yeah. not about taking away, getting nope. the kids away from the phones mm-hmm. or their screens. It's how can we... That's a tool. It's a tool. How can we use that that's tool right. to expose them to that classical Well, that's music? right. I mean, and, and you know, to, to explain a little bit of that uh, for, for the audience, um, basically it's it's what we call, and, it, and it's really much more streamlined now, and many orchestras are doing this. It's, it's real-time program notes mm-hmm. is basically the idea. And what's great about it is if you are listening to a symphony – and, you know, sometimes symphonies are, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes. And if you haven't, if you don't know exactly what's going on, what the musical argument is, you know, it certainly can take a while to, to figure it out. You know, it doesn't happen on one listening. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the hall and you have uh, this device on your phone that can tell you at certain moments what's going on in the piece. Mm-hmm. Now the French horn plays a great solo that's reminiscent of this theme and uh, that you heard a few, you know, minutes ago or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know what program notes are, but the problem with program notes before a concert is you might read all this explanation, then when the when the piece comes, poof. Yeah, you can, <laughs> it's hard to follow even yeah. for me or anybody. So this is an opportunity to as the piece is going on at that very moment you're starting to you're understanding mm-hmm. uh uh, what's happening musically, which uh, to me, and, and again, not everybody's the same, but I will, I, for me, absolutely, when I go to an art gallery, for example, and there's the option of getting those little phones that you can listen to yep, somebody yep. curating the P, okay, mm-hmm. this painting looks like this because of this, and the lighting's coming from here, and all these facts, to me, it opens up the whole painting for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I can love it without knowing any of it. I mean, it's a very nice metaphor, I think, for a classical symphony or something like that. I don't have to know about it to love it. Oh, it's a beautiful melody. Oh, my God, that's lovely what they're doing there. That's so powerful. But the more I know of a painting, the more I'm going to get into it. And so this idea of program notes in mm-hmm. real time is just getting people more tools that, that they can use to appreciate appreciate the music. I think it's amazing. I I, I 
and and much like you, if I like, I know certain. I know very little about. I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, very little about art. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. when I go, I'll do the same thing. If I there's a yep. if there's a piece yep. that I want to learn more about, yep. right? Yeah, I'll definitely get those. I'll read about it yep. and I'll get those headphones on and yep. I'll and I'll learn about the artists and why they're using those colors. Yeah, same exactly thing. why yeah. they're using the colors. And you know, and the same thing I've been doing very recently, l- l- reading uh, some uh, plays of Shakespeare with this. Uh, book is called No Fear Shakespeare. I think it's from uh, 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 Spark Notes, which is like our Coles Notes mm-hmm, up here. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I'm not ashamed at all. I, I mean, because listen, let's say you're, you you want to delve into a play of Shakespeare, and you know, of course, the language. And again, I've, I'm not no expert. I didn't take uh, uh, English in, in school or anything, so I I don't know what they're saying. You know, mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. quite common. And so, what the way the bo- this book is is that on the other page they have. You know, a quote-unquote translation. So it's, it 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 says what what the character is saying, but in an English that you can understand. Ah. And what that does is it makes you appreciate the wonderful poetry and way that Shakespeare gets at something because you know, the words he uses are so full of meaning, and the way and the combination of words he uses are so a wonderful way to express what he wants to express. But you may not understand it. But then if you look at the the, the other page, it explains it to you. So again, the, what and I'm going to speak for myself. What attracts me to this is because you know that Shakespeare's plays have lasted for for hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm, of years, mm-hmm. and there's something inherent in them that that's that speaks to the human condition. But it but it's no good if you don't understand it. And so this is my way of figuring out. Well, boy, I now I see why he's so wonderful. And so what I tr- I try to do the same things, whether it's program notes, real time. Or talking to the audience, or pro, pre-concert talks, mm-hmm. uh, explain in the same way that this explains why Shakespeare is really getting at something. Explain why the Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, or coming up this weekend, the Unfinished Symphony of Schubert. What makes it tick? Mm-hmm. And I, do, you don't want to scare people away and say, "Well, you're going to have to, you know, read a tome for you to understand this concert." <laughs> so it's always you always have to watch it, but. Darn it all. I mean, this is music that, I mean, something that's of that high of an art form does take a little bit of effort to to understand it mm-hmm. and to appreciate it more. Maybe there's levels of appreciation on the on one hand, just coming in listening. Oh, my God, that was beautiful. But then the next level is understanding what the composer had in mind and uh, the other thing about music, repeated listenings. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like anything. It's like when I used to listen to, my, you know, the new Rush album would come out. Yeah. And I'd run to the store and buy it and go home, put it on. And I'd go, oh, I don't know. I guess that's okay. And then you'd hear it again. Then then you'd be thinking about it. The next day, put it on again. The next day, you think, oh, my God, this album's great. So it does take repeated listenings, too, which people kind of forget when it comes to a great symphony. I mean, I'll you, to, you know. I'll have to let Neil Gabu know. He's the editor of the uh, of the. Uh, Prince George Citizen, yeah, yeah, and and quite a Rush fan yeah. that you that you referenced Rush <laughs> and running, I've been, running I've, out and grabbing. I've it been digging coming. right into Rush recently. I don't know why. I'm working on my scores. I'm sitting at the table and I'm looking at YouTube. And I just I've been really recently just listen looking at documentaries of Rush and. I don't know, just kind of digging in. I mean, they were my favorite band as a as a kid and growing up. I had so many opportunities. I lived in Toronto and, yeah. and did uh, yeah. high school years in Toronto. So yep. for ten years, from about from seventy seven to eighty seven. Yeah, okay. Which is, was a great time yeah, in Toronto. Was for a great sure. time. My goodness. But I yeah. never got to see. Well, I ne- it's not that I never. I just chose not to see Rush. Yeah. yeah. And and I had many opportunities. Interesting. Yeah. But I, now I wish yeah. I had because. Yeah. After, yeah. like you say, yeah. man, listening, yeah. 
and listening and listening, yeah. I have a greater appreciation yeah, for, for sure. the music. For sure. And I think it, yeah, like you say, for classical music, it's the same way. Uh, there were some things I, I didn't like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. now I find like, mm-hmm. like there's the standard, like I love the seasons yep. Yep. And, the, and the planets. Yeah. Peter and the Wolf. Love it. I love Pe- it. That was the yeah. first classical piece yeah, was I, I right, ever eh? heard. Yeah, but they explained, yeah. you know, yeah. and it was explained to us as we were ch- as when we were children, yeah. Yeah. what each instrument was doing, yeah. what it was representing, and and it opened up. Cla- like I don't listen to it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more of a mood person. It's yes, like okay. suddenly I'll say, oh, you know what? I haven't listened to anything, and so I'll try something yeah. that I've never yeah. heard before. Yeah. Yeah. And if yeah. I and you know, in the words of Jerry Saltzman, either you'll like it or you don't. Yeah, sure, sure. Right? And if yeah. I don't like it, I'll try yeah. and find yeah. something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I tell you, I mean, I remember as a high school. I guess I was in college by that point, and I really got into the symphonies of Mahler. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they, as Mahler said, they, they, he wrote them to encompass the whole world. So everything is in, a, in one of his symphonies, all the emotions you can imagine. And I listened to one of my very, very favorite pieces to this day is, is his second symphony. And I remember listening to it on a CD uh, and I did not like it. I listened to the whole thing and it was maybe an hour at least mm-hmm. uh, of symphony, you know, and these, these uh, movements. And I thought, ah, I don't care for that. But however it turned out from that point and didn't take much longer, maybe I must have listened to it again because I thought, well, I better like it or I should like it or something like that. And then I eventually became my very, very favorite piece of music. And so, again, it's just people, I think, expect, you know, classical music just to sort of, you know, be that immediate, th- immediate which, of course, it can be. But as, I, as, as our discussion is going, there is a lot to be said for repeated listenings mm-hmm. and just letting it affect you and, and trying it, your best to understand a little bit about what what the composer is after um and that's why back to the idea of of of, uh, of classical music dying i mean you know uh, i think people come to classical music perhaps at a certain age in their life too mm-hmm. if you have young people who may not appreciate a symphony of Mahler, well, it's not for everybody uh, people come to classical music at different ages. I happen to come to it younger, but not everybody does. But I think there is certainly, uh, as people get older and start thinking about their lives and, and, and maybe turning to art a little more because it sheds light on how they're feeling and what they're thinking about as far as their, their lives, um, then that's time for classical music to to be a big mm-hmm. part of their mm-hmm. life. So, mm-hmm. I, I, again... On the one hand, as uh, in the industry, you're you're working very hard to increase your audiences and let people know how the how this this music is so great. But at the same time, you have to be patient and understand that it's not going away, and it and 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 there'll be lots of people. Not everybody in the world loves everything, but mm-hmm. there will be a great number of people that will eventually come to this music because it, it is so so important. How's the yeah. how? What's the health of the Prince George uh, population as far as as far as classical music? Well, you know, we, we have our diehards, I like to think. Mm-hmm. We have people that, you know, and, and I guess you could you could call them subscribers. Certainly that's that's that mm-hmm. would that would kind of explain that. But you know, I think there are a lot of people in this community who again love this sort of music and is very excited to see what we programmed every year you mm-hmm. know uh, ready to learn new pieces ready to listen to contemporary canadian pieces which are a lot of fun to discover and to program um you know like every community are there more people that could be coming and should be coming of course and you know this is a combination of 
good marketing. It's yeah, a combination yeah. of, again, as we've been talking about, letting people know that it's that to give it a try if they've never tried it before, come and, and mm-hmm. see what it's like. I mean, and again, there's more to it. I mean, it is the music itself is, is the as a bottom line. But again, this idea of showing support for your community, mm-hmm. getting, you know, going to Vanya Hall just for a nice night out, um, looking, I mean, it's, it's a lot, most of it's oral, of course, but to see these great musicians concentrating and working hard and communicating and, and, and the dynamic between myself and the orchestra and the orchestra and the audience. I mean, these are all other factors that, that you know, come into a, a performance. I don't know. I, <clears throat> I still, I still am ignorant of what the conductor's responsibility is within the symphony orchestra. Can right. you give yeah. me sort of a uh, Cole's notes? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's hard. I'm trying to think of kind of an overview of the whole thing. I mean, certainly, you know, part of your job. Let's start from the mundane or the or the very practical side of things is to keep is to keep the time. It's set the tempo. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what when people see with the baton and and the motions that you do with your baton. Uh, is on the, in, in one very obvious sense, uh, you know, making sure the tempo is what it is. So everyone agrees on what the, the tempo is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, within a piece, there's a lot of what we call rubato, which means that the piece sometimes gets faster, gets slower, uh, as dictated by the composer. And, and a large orchestra can't do it on their own because everyone has different ideas of what that's going to be like. So part of your job is a bit like a traffic cop. You're, you're, you're showing the flow of the piece through your gestures and orchestra members can pick up on, on that. Another, so that's sort of one thing is, is just the, the strictly tempo and the speed of the piece. Uh, the other thing certainly Go, moving up a level is the way you like the orchestra to sound, and that's now becoming more in the type of gestures you show them, mm-hmm. the the what your eyes and your face look like, even. So there's a certain communication between yourself and the musicians that that shows them hopefully how you like this this piece to sound. Uh, um, is it a gentle entry from the oboes? Is it an aggressive entry? Is it louder, softer? And so through your gestures, you can control or at least suggest to the orchestra is it is it got to be louder is it have to be softer uh it has to be more pointed does it have to be more uh, um, rhythmic so all these things can be shown by a conductor mm-hmm. um that and all to the purpose of trying to bring to life what the composer has written and the last thing about or or at least the the, the other the, the the next level of, of conducting is um, this idea of trying to inspire the orchestra, and 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 part of that, I think, the way you can do that is to be so committed to yourself about how great this music is, and how you just can't wait to show the orchestra and to bring them along with you, exploring this wonderful symphony, for example. And so you're you're kind of the conduit. You're hoping to be the conduit between the composer and the musicians, and your and so you're. You're you're trying to show and 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 through rehearsals and talking a little bit too what's behind the notes what's the what's the reason for this melody being this way or what is it wistful is it is it nostalgic is it looking forward to something is it looking back to something so you use a little bit of extra musical ideas sometimes in mm-hmm. the way you rehearse with an orchestra to give them the sense. And it's not just your sense, although you you are the one sort of leading it. But it, but you're, what you're hoping to do is get the sense as you feel the composer wanted to express. Um, 
to the orchestra. So, so you know, it's a multi-leveled sort of sort of job in that way. Mm-hmm. But those are the things you're 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 working on, you're thinking about, and you're trying to execute when you're conducting a rehearsal uh, and the concert. So, so say this piece that the, the symphony you're going to be doing, Schubert's Unfinished mm-hmm. Symphony. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many hours of rehearsal would you say for the just for the orchestra for, for our orchestra? Yeah. We we will do well. To be specific, we will have four rehearsals. Uh, each rehearsal, and this is for the whole program. Mm-hmm. So the symphony, another small piece by Schubert, a uh, violin concerto, and a contemporary a Canadian piece. Uh, that we're playing on the program. So the whole program gets four rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Each rehearsal is two and a half hours uh, with a 20-minute break. So you got about you got two hours and 10 minutes of musical rehearsal for mm-hmm. four sessions. Uh, that doesn't seem like a lot. It isn't a lot. <laughs> it really isn't, you yeah, know. And, yeah. and, and what's wonderful with an orchestra like the Prince George Symphony Orchestra is how quickly we can put it together. Uh, because it's not a lot. Now, when you talk about a student orchestra, a youth orchestra, a high, a high school, college orchestra even, uh, they might rehearse weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even there was a time when Prince George Symphony Orchestra, back in their younger days, when they were more of an amateur group, would rehearse every Monday night or every mm-hmm. Tuesday night all through the year. And um, and so the next step in the evolution of a of an orchestra as it becomes more and more professional is to then just rehearse around the concert date. So so for example, coming up this week we have a Thursday night rehearsal, two Friday rehearsals, Saturday morning rehearsals, Saturday night concert. So everything's bunched up right around the the, the performance. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of material to cover. You don't have a heck of a lot of time to mess around. Mm -hmm. So what you're trying to do as a conductor from that point of view is to get your ideas completely straight in your head, uh, know exactly what you're looking to do, but also very quickly responding to what you hear because it's a very it's a very it's it's a it's a process in flux. So if the orchestra plays a certain way, you think to yourself, okay. Is, is Do I like that? Is that what I think the composer wanted? Okay, leave it. Even if it's not exactly what you want, you're thinking, okay, I can leave that for now, come back to it mm-hmm. in the next mm-hmm. rehearsal, or maybe I just leave it because you also want to give the orchestra, there's another thing about conducting, you want to give the orchestra the freedom to express themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing, no orchestra member never likes sort of, you know, do it this way, do it this way, and all you're doing is dictating. You want to keep it uh, an open dialogue in a way. Uh, but you have to work quickly. You know, four rehearsals is not a lot of time for, no. for all this music. <clears throat> so what um, is it? What Like, say, for instance, uh, the Toronto Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. Well, how many, mm-hmm. how, what would they rehearse? They'll do the same. It, it's oh, funny really? because yeah. in, in the industry, if I can say, uh, my orchestra, my other uh, orchestra that I'm music director of in outside of Philadelphia down in the States will also do four rehearsals. Mm-hmm. So most orchestras, the Chicago Symphony, the, the Vancouver uh, Symphony, will do four Rehearsals. That's sort of the standard. Now, it depends on what program you're preparing. So if you do, I'll give you a quick snapshot of my Kennett Symphony. So we'll do a holiday show, uh, two rehearsals. Basically because the music is not as... Uh, detail-oriented. You're not talking about these great masterworks. Sometimes you're just playing, which is totally fine, but you're playing like light or fair, you know, mm-hmm. Christmas music, mm-hmm. so you yeah, don't need yeah, as many yeah. rehearsals. Yeah. Uh, a kid's show, a, a show for families in Kennett, we have one rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So it really depends a little bit on what you're rehearsing, but if you're talking about a masterwork, talking about a, a typical concert with a concerto in it and a symphony, oftentimes it's a four-rehearsal set no matter what mm-hmm. orchestra you're you're working with. And the, do, the, do the musicians get get their music uh, 
how how soon before you rehearse? Um, it it depends. Uh, sometimes uh, the contract will stipulate how long you must, as the organization, you must have the music ready for your musicians. Um, it, it varies. Depends, I think, on if you're a musician and you've played, let's say, the Unfinished Symphony a bunch of times, you may not mm-hmm. have to get it as early. But if it's a contemporary piece you've never seen before, and sometimes they're very difficult to play, you may want to get it, you know, two, three, four weeks ahead of time, even two months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do in Prince George is to have an Erica, our oboe player and librarian, uh, tries to have the music uh, available for musicians the concert before. So, for example, this concert coming up at the end of February, our next concert's not until April's, but the music will be available for people if they want to take it mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. take it home with them, even a month or more mm-hmm. ahead. Uh, it depends on the musician. It depends on the musician, and it depends on what repertoire we're playing. And, and yeah. what about you? What, like, um, Do you have an idea going into the season? Well, you must. Mm-hmm. Uh, what pieces you want to have for the season is yep. it thematic or do you sometimes do you certain things yeah. where and and i'm thinking of a, i can only liken it to a director in a the theater because that's i have mm-hmm. s- some background there so the director gets the piece and decides uh this is how i interpret it and and i'm and i'm going to go with it this way Right. Um, yeah. And how often or how soon before you even get into rehearsals do you have the piece? And do you do you yeah. do you get an idea of how you want it to go? Do you write notes? Do you? Yeah, I, I know you wouldn't yeah. rewrite the piece. No, or, but uh, yeah. uh, 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 really a lot of those things. You, you, you I, my, my, what I strive to do is to get to the music as early as possible in my preparation. Um, so let's look again at the Unfinished Symphony. I've conducted it maybe three or four times before. Mm-hmm. And what's wonderful about classical music and any music, really, because it's a living art form, is that when I come back to the score, I think I may have different ideas. Mm-hmm. I may think, boy, I, I did it this way because I thought that was what, what it should be. But now I don't, not so sure. Now I think, and, and that can be informed by your own musical maturity or maybe more you've learned about the piece, uh, this sort of thing. And then you start changing your, sometimes you change your ideas a little bit, which is wonderful. But I like to get at it as early as possible. I mean, I'll, I'll you know, I'll spend months on a piece because I think the idea from a conducting point of view is to get it so much in your body and in your head you know, it's like lear- I, I assume I, I'm not an actor at all, but I assume it's like learning lines for a for a play. Mm-hmm. The more you can <clears throat> digest it and get it right in here, so it's not you're not barely remembering. You know, mm-hmm. kind of, you know how how nerve wracking that would be. Yeah. So it's the very same thing with a conductor. Um, you don't want to sort of oh no what what it happens here you know oh right and then, you oh. know it's, none of that should be happening. It should be completely ingrained so the whole thing is just coming out so naturally from your from your your body and and, you know musicians can pick that up too they know when Mm -hmm. you really know it and when you don't not just by what you say but also by how you how you look and and how you are so i spend as much time as i really can and as many hours as i can uh just sitting with the music uh listening to recordings um analyzing it uh figuring out what every instrument's doing how important is this instrument compared to that? What's the balance I'd like to have here? Everything has to be sort of looked at and and decided upon, and mm-hmm. then you feel you can you can get in front of the orchestra. Uh, one thing I like about ninety uh, percent of the time, I would say, or even more, is it's just a one shot deal. 
you're only going to hear this once, and you're only going to hear it once like this. Right, exactly. You know? Isn't that what music and is it so great? It makes That's it right. beautiful. That's like, if right, you miss it? it, you're not going to hear that particular symphony played that way ever, That's it. ever again. That's it. And there's something, and, and that we're, we're hitting it on the head with something about live music, mm-hmm. the energy in the room. And people sometimes don't really realize that. I mean, they, they understand that with a rock concert. They understand mm-hmm. that with like a folk song where, 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 the, where it's very immediate between the singer, let's say singer-songwriter, and the audience sitting right there. I mean, mm-hmm. there's something very intimate and very and, – and that that's also the case with classical music, although the setup is a little different. More people. I got my back to the audience. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it's always a little different. But um, – but again, it's this communication that we're striving for. We're so excited to, you know, kind of show what we've been working on. You know, all the rehearsals we've done and all the thoughts we've had and everything putting comes And the orchestra gets so excited because as things get closer to the concert, the more things are feeling comfortable and good. And I'll often say to the orchestra, now, once that's done, now is the time to just let it go. I mean, yeah. we've done all the work. We're, we're ready to go. Now, what can we communicate to the audience? You know, and it's only, you're right, it's a one-time a one-time deal. Now you just said communicate to the audience. Do you get that? Is that is that communication? Does that come back to you? Is that a two-way thing? Do you, I, does the orchestra yeah. and, the, and do you feed off of the vibe that the? I I certainly do. I know the orchestra does too, for sure. And and you may ask, well, that's funny because you're not even looking at them. But I tell you, there's something about when you're standing there, and you're doing something, you're you're conducting something, and the orchestra's playing, and and you're you're in the moment, and. You know, you just know, you can just feel the audience sort of there. You know they're there, you know they're listening, and there is... And then when things that may be very quiet, for example, and you have this very soft part, everything's very quiet, the audience is quiet, you just know that you've you kind of got them mm-hmm. uh, listening so mm-hmm. intensely. So, and, and also it's true even as you get through a piece. So, so for example, a big four-movement symphony, and you're on the fourth movement, and things are loud and going along, and you, and you think to yourself, you know... There's a feeling that the orc- that the audience has been with you on this journey. I mm-hmm. mean, there's again, it's a very <clears throat> subtle thing. When they're restless, you sort of know, and, and and you hope they're not. And and sometimes there's nothing to do with what you're playing. But I'm always I always believe that if the orchestra really is committed and playing at a high level and with real commitment. I mean, this is what musicians are. I mean, we, we, we give of ourselves. Then I feel the audience is there. I, I can I can feel them really paying attention and really kind of following along and it hasn't again there's been other opportunities where a situation where it isn't quite is mm-hmm. that way and that's the way it goes yeah. all over but uh but yeah you can definitely feel it that's awesome yeah because yeah, i know like, like i can only like i said I, I i don't play well i play harmonica a mm-hmm. uh, little bit of blues harmonica nice. but um nice. i've never like uh, as far as stage stuff goes you know the, when the audience is present, yeah, when they're in it, yeah. when they're going along they're, with yeah, you, exactly. When they're even in when it. I'm backstage and I can't see the audience, you just know, and yep. the actors yep. know, yep, and yep. the musicians sure. must know too. Yeah, we we yeah. certainly do. And there's and you know, uh, and every audience is different too. Every audience in different parts of the country are different. Yeah. I mean, it, it is funny that way, but um, but this is a great community here in Prince George because I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before we went on air about all the arts in this community. Yeah. And there is this wonderful feeling of pr- uh, pride of, uh, for their own. That's, that's the impression I get too with, mm-hmm. with audiences here in Prince George. They love the symphony 
and they want to support the symphony. And they feel, I think anyway, that fortunate that there is a symphony in this town, you know, and a, and a good one. I mean, it's just, how would anyone know in Prince George where we are, a little bit isolated, everything else? What could you expect up here? But mm-hmm. my goodness, I was surprised, so pleasantly surprised when I came here uh, with everything that was going on in this in this town. Mm-hmm. I love Theatre Northwest. I try not to miss anything that they do. I just love the, the quality that they put on, the level of actors they get. I, I think it's inspiring. So... I even think to myself, that's so great. I want the symphony to, to to continue to grow, so so you know everyone can be proud of what the symphony puts on. Mm-hmm. So you know it, it's 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 nice. Michael Hall, thank you so much. I think there's a few things I still want to touch on, but I'm sort of running out of time. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, and uh, hopefully we can sit down. Uh, are you going to be how? Do you, do you have a contract? Are you coming back next year? Do yes, you... I do. I, in fact, I, I, I certainly hope I will. Everything is going so well. Um, I, I, the way it works usually is, is we have three-year contracts as conduct, mm-hmm. not always, but that's the way it is with me. So I'm actually coming to the end of my first three years here, which is, which is very exciting. So I, I certainly hope, and all indications are that I'll be um, back again for, for, you know, for many, many more years. And so uh, that'll be, you know, that'll be fun to see how this orchestra grows mm-hmm. and where we can go with this. So, hopefully, you know. hopefully that is the case. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. This episode was recorded at the studios of 93.1 CFIS-FM in Prince George, British Columbia, produced and edited at Strange Trip Studios. If you want to check out any of our other great content, such as podcasts, video interviews, and blogs, just go to artsnorthbc.wixsite.com or check us out on Facebook, ArtsNorthBC. For Arts North, I'm your host, Michael Cast.